Please. I wanted to uh, go back to one pleasure track, the, the biggest hit, uh, Glide. What was it like when you first kind of heard that groove back in the studio? And what can you share with us about making that track? Well, I mean, the one thing I can say about, about that particular record in general, and I can't say that I, that I knew that it was going to be as... Uh, as big as what it turned out to be, but when I first heard it, when Nate first played it, and his bass part, you just knew right then that it was something special, only based on how he put it together. Or you just heard it and say, "Wow, that's just so different." Just his whole concept of how he, how he did it, right? You know, almost seemed like when, like you know, when you hear any any anybody that plays something that's just I said, this sounds just so unique. You say, wow, that's just real. That's just real unique right there, right? And so that's what how it was when he when he brought it to the band. I was like, oh, man, that, that's just real. That's just real different right there. And then when we recorded in the studio, we went down to Fantasy and recorded it and put all the stuff on it, and you heard it back. It was the same. It was the same feeling. Like, wow, that's, that's just one of those kind of things that's going to jump out. But... On the album itself, with the feature album, you know, we had crafted that album to flow a certain way. So it wasn't, how can I say, I don't think inside the group, we never said to ourselves, okay, that that was just the one song. Because you had so many songs on the record that had their own kind of unique feel to them, mm -hmm. right? So if you look at Universal Thing, how that sounded, you go, oh, that might be the one. You know, you just had all these different records on the rec on the album itself so when you listen to to me the, the thing i love about the future now album is when you listen to it from top to bottom it just has this whole feel to it mm -hmm. that the band was able to accomplish yeah it feels like one continual piece you see what i mean yeah and conceptual so, yeah yeah and so when you listen so it was hard so for me it would have been at the time would have been hard for me to say okay well Glide, that's going to be the single from the record. Because we had made this album that had this whole kind of feel to it. But Glide was a song that really emerged from it. And man, it's like even now today, I mean, I, almost every time when I somebody knows that I'm from Pleasure, the first thing they'll say, well, yeah, that, that Glide song, man, I know how to play it on the bass. You know, it's just, it's just one of those records that people just, man, it just has stood out for sure. It's what you call seminal recording, yeah. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things when I first heard it, too, like a lot of the greatest tracks, it was just like a complete head-turner. You know, I was like, you know, whoa. <laughs> 
And the yeah, whole, like I said, then you was look at the technical technical part of how Nate actually did it. That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, it's all worked in together. Like, okay, well, now it now it does it sound different, but then you're like looking at him, seeing how he's playing it. That's like it's freaking phenomenal, right? Yeah. And you know, back then, you know, you weren't doing loops. You know, you're playing right the whole track yeah, from from top to bottom. That's how, that's how he played it. That was that was that was the tape. So yeah, you, you're correct. There wasn't no looping. There wasn't no cutting and pasting. None of that stuff. It was like that's what what came out from the, the session. Yeah, this dude's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but just the arrangement too, with the like the way the other instruments answered his bass on that, you know, just great. Yeah, the arrangement. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. Just re- really, um, well put together song. Um, and like I said, that whole album has that whole has that similar feel to it. Just how the the band conceived everything and you know played and put it all together. It just has a a, a feel that's totally complete. Yeah, it's a total classic in my mind. So congratulations. Oh, thank <laughs> still, you. still, congratulations on that, Marlon. Um, so, you know, uh, I guess the only other one I wanted to ask you about because I you know you've done so many projects I could talk to you forever. But um, one other one I'll bring up before we talk about your new record, and that's uh, In Vogue. You know, how did you get that connection going, and what can you tell us about that? Yeah, how I got that connection going was on. I went up to Fantasy to work on a. They wanted to put together a a, a special pl- pleasure disc, um, and we done, actually done a remix. They wanted to do a, with a remix of Glide. That I done with Ralph, with uh, Phil Caffle, the engineer who engineered that album, co-produced that album with us. Uh, and so I went to F- Fantasy, and uh, it just so happened that the producers, Foster McElroy, were in one of the other studios working on an Invoke record. And I was a, first of all, I was a fan of Invoke, but I was also a big fan of Foster McElroy. Those guys are, you know, awesome producer songwriters. I love that one and record so, they did. Yeah. Yeah, super, super talented. So, I, so same thing, you know, I can talk, but I'm kind of kind of shy. So I was I was there in the next year, and I wanted to go over and say hello to him, but I was kind of shy. So I asked the engineer, his name was Steve Counter, if he would introduce me to him. So he brought me in the studio and introduced me to, to Tommy and to Tommy and Denny. And uh, we kind of said hello and stuff like that and said, hey, let's – you know, let's maybe connect sometime. And I really didn't think much of it. So um, I leave out and come back to L.A. because Fantasy's up in the Bay Area. And one day I get a call from Denzel Foster. He goes, Marlon, uh, can you and Nate still play? I said, yeah, we can play. I said, well, I want to have you guys go up here and play on some music. So we started this relationship that went on for many, many years. Nate and I flying back and forth from L.A. to the Bay Area, working on stuff that Foster McElroy was producing. And we literally, man, for a period, we literally played with everything that they were doing. Then we got got the opportunity to write and uh, uh, work on some stuff involved. Whatever whatever they were doing, whatever Foster McElroy was doing, they included us in it. It was, it was so awesome. Because once they figured out we knew how to play, they said, let's let's make music. So it was, it was kind of like the perfect thing that could happen, you know, the part of, Somebody not knowing that you could do something, but then they could figure out that you can still do something. And them 
not only respecting what you could do, but then saying, hey, let's put it into this other context. Because, you know, obviously they, their, their approach to producing uh, music was different from ours, but then we learned from each other. It, it was awesome. It was like an awesome relationship. I loved what they did because they were still keeping funk in there. But they, oh, it, but, but but it was contemporized, you know. Yeah, they they really knew how to put those other you know elements. And that's what I was talking about before the part of, you know, how you stay relevant. You got to understand that that uh, we keep moving forward in time, right? And so, even though you might have done something great back in the day, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to apply to where you are right now. And so, at that time, Foster McElroy. They just really knew how to put records together that fit that era. And they were, they were great. And, and like I said, great people to work with, too. And you got to meet the In Vogue girls? Yes. Be became really good friends with Terry Ellis. I'm still really good friends with Terry. Played on her solo record that she made. Like I said, awesome people to work with. And what are Foster McElroy doing today? Uh, I think for a while... Denzel Foster has been managing some people behind the scenes, some other, you know, producers. And then Tommy, Tommy, uh, Thomas Miller, he's, they still have their studio up in the Bay Area. I think he runs a student. He's, uh, I want to say he worked on the current uh, Rafael Sadiq out mm. that just came out a, a little while back. But so, yeah, he's, he's staying active, too. Good. I hope they do something together again. That would be good to see. Yeah, yeah, that's super talented guys. Yeah. Super talented guys. I felt like it was them and Teddy Riley, you know, kind of. Right, right. That's that's true. That was that was that was an era of that of that sound and, and period that were going back and forth between yeah. uh, those two. You're totally correct. Yeah. Um, so I got to actually I actually got to work on a, some stuff with them that they have, they was recording a song for Madonna. It never came out, but. I got to work on that with them too. Oh. Back in the back in that same era. I bet you have a lot of stuff in the can, Marlon. <laughs> After all this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so the new record, Funky Fridays. You know, I've been watching you on Facebook, like so many others, for all this many months. Maybe it goes back a couple of years now. But um, you know, getting on there and brightening up people's Fridays with a little groove and. Uh, it's been so much fun to see it. Little did I know that you were, I, I don't know when you got the idea to actually do a project with it, but there is a project based on that. So tell, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I have a new record, well, EP out called uh, Funky Fridays Volume 1. It's going to be a whole series that I'm going to do. Uh, and it really literally started from me putting up guitar ideas or just just. Really, I literally would wake up on a Friday and say, hey, let me do something. And I'd put a beat on and just start playing guitar. So I would call it Funky Friday, you know. And uh, I really did it just to have fun. There was no, like I said, no big thing in my head behind it other than my love of picking up the guitar and playing something, right? And so I would just literally pick it up and just whatever came out, that's what came out, and that's what I would post. And so I started getting a lot of friends on Facebook that would hit me up and say, hey, Marlon, man, you got to release, you got to release the Funky Fridays record, man. Come on, what are you doing? I'm, I'm loving this jam. And so a year ago, I connected with my buddy Wiz, 
name is Reginald Jones. He's a keyboardist in Atlanta. Plays with SOS Band and Johnny Gill and people like a bunch of people like that. And so um, I sent him one of my ideas, and we started going back and forth. And that's really that's really what got me the real bug into saying, okay, now I got to actually do it. And so from his song, I started building all these other songs and created the EP. And uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. I think it's really uh, it's got a really great feel. And like I said, it's all based on these Funky Friday ideas. So it's it's real organic. So there's five songs and three little interlude things, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and the songs, you know, how many of those, have, or did all of them actually originate as something you first kind of hinted at? They, they, they all, literally, they, they've all originated from some idea that I posted as a Funky Friday idea. That's wild, you know? Yeah, and all, and all I've done was take take the initial idea and then, you know, try to shape it out into a, a, a song or just like a lot somebody just said okay let me just have the actual snippet that i did and just put that out there and when, when you do those things on on video on fridays that led up to this how much thought went into those you know or just spontaneous or yeah because i'm i'm like i said kind of how i look at what i do because i i believe it's just a part of what's coming out of me so wasn't a lot of thought of me saying, okay, well, I'm going to sit up here for 10 or 15 minutes and jam and then turn on the camera. It was kind of like, okay, well, let me get a beat that I like to to play to, get the beat going, and then turn on the camera. So whatever came out, that that's that's what it was. <laughs> Reminds me of a Prince lyric, uh, I got grooves and grooves up on the shelves. You know, I think you got a lot of grooves on those shelves, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? And the thing I I, I like about it is that it's it's just natural, right? And that's why I talk about the, the reason why I love playing rhythm because that part comes to me natural. Is that okay? If I I naturally will want to groove a certain kind of way, and it brought me so much enjoyment that people were liking it. So I said, well, let me just turn it into a series. So if that hadn't happened, were you had you given thought to actually doing any new recordings? No. So this is kind of rekindled, actually producing a record too, right? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. You know, I would say I have one buddy in Minneapolis who literally started, you know, texting me nonstop saying, "Marlon, you got to quit playing, man. You got to put a record out, right?" You got to do a Funky Fridays, and and like I said, and all that stuff really uh, compelled me to do it, because for me, I, I've kind of been more into the uh, era right now of, of working with. I'm working with my niece, who's putting out music. My niece Whitney McLean. I've been really helping her do her stuff, and then my son Martin the Second is putting out music. He's he goes by the name of Brando, and he's has some successful music out right now in the dance world. So I've really been focused on more family stuff like that, opposed to thinking of myself putting out music. I've been working with them. Yeah. So this, this really compelled me to do it. I was going to say there definitely is a family affair element, even to your EP because uh, Whitney's on there. And also 
Uh, Celeste is A and R. Yeah, Celeste is my daughter. She's she, and I have to actually give her a lot of credit because you know I would um, work on my songs with my with a producer Ralph Ralph Stacy. Then I would come back and play them to her, and I would ask her her opinion, and she gave me a, a, some re- really good, you know. Uh, her opinions were, were were taken very well by me, and and a lot of the shape of how the record came together was really based on her her ideas. Sounds like a chip off the block there. You know? She's well, I, I love her because um, she's how can I say she's a a typical consumer, and what I mean by that is she's a consumer of the day. She 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 gets most of her stuff from Spotify, but she listens and i'm talking about her playlist is a little bit of everything mm. it's not just one thing like man I, I can get into her car and she'll put her playlist on her, her on her iphone and i'm like shocked because it'll be something totally current but then she'll go back to stuff like from the 50s and 60s that'll be in her playlist that'll be like awesome and stuff that I haven't even necessarily heard. You know what I mean? So the one thing I actually like about today's part of music with Spotify and stuff like that, the part of discovery, mm-hmm. if you want to discover music, it's out there, right? It may not, in other words, it's not the part of, of it all being hit-driven as far as you have to hear it on the radio. It's about if you listen to, to those places that have that music, it's all about the discovery of it. So if you really want to dig deep and find other stuff, you really can. And, and my daughter Celeste has been like that and, and it's turned me on to a lot of stuff. That's, That's been great. incredible. That's great. Yeah, if you're proactive or adventurous, that is definitely an advantage of that. Um, the records on this, uh, I mean, all the tracks are great, Marlon, but the ones, you know, the personal favorites for me, um, Mac and Cheese, that one is just slamming. Um, and... Love that yeah, one. That's, that's the one I did with Wiz. Yeah, that that one hits me right here, man. Um, and nothing but the funk uh, is the one that you did a, a fun video for. Right? Yeah, yes, I, I I love that record a lot too. And that came together with me and um, his name is Emmanuel Officer, who's a very actually very successful songwriter. Um, through my producer Ralph Stacy, he connected us, and. Uh, I, I think he did an awesome job, you know, really putting putting the vocal into context of where I was, where I was coming from with the music. Yeah, it's got nice, real nice vocals, and uh, got the voice box thing going on. Yeah, yeah that's that's my buddy Easy Rock from uh, the Barcase. Ah, nice. And then I think of you as a really nice mellow track. Um, got the Prince spelling with you there. I noticed. Uh, and then uh, say what, man? Great bass on that one. Once again, it's, uh, I don't know if you know Al Turner. I don't, but I'd like to oh, after hearing that. You should know. He's, he's an awesome bassist from uh, uh, Detroit. He's he plays with uh, with the artist Kim, um, and just he puts out his own solo uh, bass records. He's phenomenal. How'd you... Really, really sweetheart of a guy too. You should, you should look him up. I, I will. How, how'd you yeah. connect with him? 
Uh, I connected with him many, many years ago. We were actually on a Tom Droner cruise together. Uh, I was actually out there with, with, with Charlie Wilson, and he was on there with, with Kim. And we met at a, you know, a lot of times they have the, you got to eat in a certain section. Or, you know, you, they, they put you in a certain section with people to, to eat, right, for dinner. And I met him and his wife. Um, we just really bonded and just became super, super friends. Uh, and from there, he asked me to play on a couple of his records and asked me to play on some stuff I was doing. And we just always just go back and forth with each other. Nice. Awesome bass player. Yeah. And, in person. Very cool on that track. And take your time. You got some real nice tasty licks in on that one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's actually, you know, you love the rhythm, but you got a little bit of lead on that one. Yeah, that's true. I I I I let I let my I let myself out a little bit on on that song. <laughs> and like I said, it was something I, I I like things that just kind of come to me natural, naturally. So that that's what came out. Yeah. So this is volume one. I mean, how many of these this could go on indefinitely, right? I mean, in theory. Yes, I mean, I'm I'm gonna start work on volume two. Probably uh, in May. I already have have, have recorded about three songs that'll go on volume two. Um, I've worked on some stuff. I mean, I'll be, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to go on this or it might go on something that, that he's doing, but I've worked on some stuff with Bootsy that I'm excited about. Um, you got and me excited now. But I, I, the, I'm starting, starting to, to get excited about putting music out. Bootsy's last record, Worldwide, um, Worldwide Funk, I think. Um, that had some great. What what really helped set that off to me was it had great rhythm playing on it by um, Keith uh, from Sun, uh, Keith Ch- Cheatham, or is that who that is? I'm not I think, sure. That's, that's I, his think last he, I think it's Cheatham. Yeah, but that rhythm guitar really helped set that off to me. So if you're doing anything, adding that rhythm, you know, a lot of funk can be like really great. And maybe not have any guitar, but right. when you have that, you know, that guitar in there, it takes it to a different level to me. They kind of, you know, how can I say, rhythm guitar. No matter what what it is, whether it's you're playing, you know, single note parts or playing, you know, straight rhythm. Uh, as far as like, say, for instance, like uh, a Nile Rodgers, you know, approach. Uh, to me, it, it kind of always helps to give you that extra glue to 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 seem at that pocket, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of ways, the rhythm is you know similar. When when I was in, in in pleasure, I always loved playing with Bruce Carter because I love connecting with him and his hi hat patterns, and that's part of just playing the rhythm, playing inside the groove. So to me, funk is is just like that. It's, it's just you know executing on the on the the patterns that make it make it be funky yeah yeah and and, and the guitar helps that for sure yeah anyone out there wanting to be truly funky don't forget the rhythm guitar um for you marlon what makes funk so special overall what does it mean to you you know i guess funk to me is almost similar to how blues is to certain blues artists and that is 
it's the natural part of how it makes you feel, right? So uh, a blues artist will say, you know, blues it doesn't have to make me feel sad to, to play the blues. It makes me feel good, right? It doesn't make me feel sad. It makes me feel good because it's what's it's the emotion that that that's it captured me. So funk to me is that way. Same thing. It's just like, man when you when you hear it and you play it, it just makes you feel a certain kind of way. It's, it's hard and it's, it's it's hard to explain it in a lot of ways, but it's it really is that feeling that makes you say, oh wow, that's that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm in the pocket. I'm in the crew. Like wow, you know you. And what's interesting about it is it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it could be so basic. You know, the part could be so basic, but how it's all put together makes it feel like, wow, that is funky, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's that's how I look at it. It's, it's really just that feeling. Yeah, and I actually feel that way about both blues and funk, but yeah. Um. Yeah, isn't that interesting about blues of how, you know, a blues guy would tell you that, you know, I, I can I can feel the blues, but it doesn't make me sad, no. right? I'm not sad because I like the blues. It makes me feel a certain kind of way. And so that's what's coming out of you, right? Well, it like, it just touches my soul, you know? So right. I mean, like nothing else can. So, um for someone just looking to get into funk guitar playing, funk rhythm guitar, what are a couple of, like tips that you might offer? Well, my, my first tip is, is always business way, and that is you, you first got to go to the root of it. And you have to start with James Brown, right? And what I mean by that is James Brown was able with his band to put that core part of how parts really work together. So whenever you listen to a James Brown record, if you really listen, right? And what I mean by that is a lot, a lot of guitar players will listen and play what they think they're hearing opposed to really listening to it. And that is listen to how the parts intersect each other, right? Because, you know, James Brown would do or the guitar player would go, da 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 And they would do that the entire song. Nothing else. That's it. So you have to learn how to play that and be in the and be in the pocket with it. In other words, not play it just any way. You gotta go ding think 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 for real. Right? And not say to yourself, okay, I'm gonna play it, but then I wanna do something else to make it seem like I'm a good guitar player or I want to stand out. So you're no, you got to play and feel it, like feel it in that pocket. Because when you lock it all together, that's what creates that whole funk part of it. Along with the beat and the bass, all that stuff together creates that funk. So I would always say start off with James Brown. And then from there, you know, you go to like the meters. Meters the same way. God, they were, God, man, that guitar player was just crazy. Just so in the pocket with how he did his stuff. Right? Just, man, you listen to, you just listen to it and say, man, 
that is just straight funk. So I, was, so I would go from the James Brown to the meters, you know, and then obviously, you know, once you move further up, you know, you get to, you know, obviously all players, you know, that type of guitar parts were awesome. You know, there's so so many examples of how can I say where 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 the rhythm guitar is just locked into the wove into the fabric of the song. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously with guys like uh, Al McKay, same thing. You know, his parts are just so woven into Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. You know, you can tell that you know Maurice heard what he was doing and built everything around it because the rhythm is such a central part of some, of of most of their major records right and so that you got to really listen to to me to me the part of the guitars is you just really listen to the parts and figure out what that guitar player is doing and then just really try to fill it yourself and then, and then then create your own style from it there, mm-hmm. there's a video i'm sorry same thing but there's a a few videos that uh, now Rogers has put out, and to me they're so informative in regards to talking about rhythm guitar. Okay. And he breaks it down so great, where he'll say most people will think, you know, based on hearing my guitar in a song, that I'm playing a bunch of chords. He said, but in reality, I like playing three note chords but it's how I do that rhythm that creates that illusion to people that makes it sound like I'm playing more than what I'm actually playing mm-hmm. and you should people should really watch his, his videos because he just breaks it down so well and when you hear him play it you know outside of just him with the guitar man you just man you just see how funky he is he's such a funky guitar player too yeah and, and the part of understanding how the rhythm applies to the song, right? And he's, he creates as a producer and as a, a songwriter, you know, those same thing, those, those kind of parts that you say, wow, that's just freaking incredible. You know, Good, good Times are prime example. Almost, almost all the records he, that he's done where he's had major hits on it, guitar parts have been like the major, the major driving part of the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and the sound is so identifiable too. Oh, phenomenal! Yeah, he's one of those guys I've I've always seen. I've, I've always, always wanted to meet him. And we were getting ready to do a Dazzling was going to do a show in Philadelphia, but it got canceled because of the coronavirus stuff. It was going to be in June, so I was mm-hmm. looking forward to meeting him. Yeah, um, I hope to have him on sometime. Um, you know, when, when you get locked in a groove like that, though, so it's almost like it can be almost trance like, right? I think so. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it feels like for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's how can I say it's, it's, it's something that can just keep going on forever and forever because you just feel in the pocket. So for me, like I said, uh, playing rhythm opposed to soloing, I can play the same chord, you know, for an hour and I'm fine. <laughs> if I'm feeling it, you know what I mean. In other words, if that's where the groove is taking me, and everybody's in the pocket, I can see, yeah, because it just feels that good. Does fatigue start to ever set in though on like a really long track? No, no, no. Like I said, there's something about how it makes you feel that 
But that's the only way I can really express it. It just makes you feel good. So you just don't want to, you know, you don't want to leave the pocket. Well, and that's infectious too. I mean, the listener can feel that from the player. You know? Yeah, I think that's the reason why James Brock could have those songs that would go on for so long, right? <laughs> because they, they would go on forever. Yeah. And you never got bored of them. You didn't. Right? No way. Is that part of this, how, how it made you feel? Now, every time I would see, uh, you know, a longer version of one of his tracks that w had not been released previously, it was like, all right, a longer one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> let's have let's have the escape hour long version, you know. Or... <laughs> so, what would you say has been your single most prominent memory on stage performing? Uh, was a show? or an experience or meeting somebody or what, what really stands out? Well, you know, in, in 1999, uh, the leader of the day has been Bobby Harris and I, uh, had put together this thing called the United We Funk All-Stars. And it was, um, it was the idea that Bobby had that we were able to, um, work really hard to, to, Put together, and we convinced uh, bands like uh, Confunction, uh, Charlie Wilson, uh, the Barcades, SOS Band, Daz Band. Originally, we had Rick James and Roger Troutman. Before they passed, they were going to be a part of it. And we had put together this thing called United We Funk All Stars, and we got um, uh, Tom Joyner to, to uh, sanction it and be the host of it. And so we toured around the country as United We Funk All-Stars. And that was like one of the biggest, I could say one of the most biggest and funkiest extravaganzas I had ever been a part of, only because we had all these guys together in one band. We had members of their bands and all the other bands as backing musicians. And you had the guys who were the leaders of their groups as the all-stars all on one stage. So at some one time we did have like maybe like 21 people on stage and the sound of it was just freaking phenomenal because it was just so powerful where you had, you know, drummer, percussionist, three or four guitar players, two bass players, keyboardists, and I'm talking about all playing the lines together as one big huge you know funk machine you see what i mean and it yeah. was it was in other words it wasn't like we were just it wasn't like just a bunch of noise it was like we were playing the songs like those guys records but we were doubling up on the parts so it was like it was just like this whole kind of like massive rock funk that was incredible and when, when people saw it they just went bananas because it was really that powerful so I would say that, that was that's the thing that always sticks out in my mind because we put it together and we toured, went around the country with it, and Tom Joyner was the host and he would announce everybody and stuff. And man, there were some nights where you look at look out in the audience, and the audience was just going crazy because you literally you you were literally playing, how I said the playlist of these acts that all had their own signature songs. Like, you know, we played some of the Gap Band songs, you played the Confunction songs, you played the Barcade songs, you played the Dance Band songs, SOS songs, 
all together as one, as one major playlist. And all and everybody in the group all played and sang together. So yeah. it, it was it was massive. Was there much rehearsal? Oh no, yeah, we rehearsed and we did one of our first well, one of our very first shows we did it was for uh, a BET conference out in Palm Springs, but then we did a major show at the Universal Amphitheater, and it was it was incredible. Hmm. So I yeah, I, seen that. I, that would be it, for me one of the highlights of my career, only from the aspect of how can I say you you with all these acts and artists, you know them, you know you. From from growing up and opening up on shows and stuff like that, you get to know them, you know, shake their hands and hug them and stuff like that. But with United We Funk All Stars, we really got to know each other. In other words, we were with each other as family for a long period of time. So it was a whole nother kind of feeling of getting to know somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're with them on the road and you you know, you practice with them. You, you you really got to know them and their families for real. So it was a whole nother experience. And it was awesome because once, once again, you know, I've always, I've always looked at it as being a fan. So I was, these, these artists I'm fans of, but now we're working on music together, right? And playing together on stage. So it, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. And I think a, a record came out. Was it? Um... Yeah, so United. We, there's a there was a United We Funk record uh, that we put out. Then we put a United We Funk All Stars live record out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that happen again one of these days. With you know, we still have. You know, some people have left us, but we still have enough out there. I think to still do it. So. Yeah, that's so true. That's you know. so true. Um, anything else on, on the horizon uh, besides the Funky Fridays Part Two and working with your your kids? And uh, besides that, I also work with um, a very talented guitarist. His name is Tim Bowman. I don't know if you know Tim. He's a smooth jazz guitarist. He has a couple projects getting ready to come out. I'm really excited about. Uh, and I'm always, you know, always writing songs and stuff like that. I, I, w- I would say, you know. My main focus, besides doing this Funky Fridays thing, is 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 my niece and my my son. So that's that's what I'm really excited about. Uh huh. So how can uh, people you know get your record and keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, uh, the Funky Fridays is everywhere. You know, iTunes, Spotify. You can buy the CD at Amazon.com. Um, you can always find me on Facebook. Or Instagram, that's pretty much where I'm at. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on your show, and just always look for new music. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Continue to be safe, and uh, you too. You know, wish you uh, continued success, and I look forward to hearing more Marlon McClain music. Always. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. 
If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the funkinstuff.net website. And on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line, email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.